You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Conference Room, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Appreciate you all joining us. Alongside Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins, I'm Dave Griffiths. The Colts enter week three in the NFL, still looking for that first win of the season. And it's just as important as a game as you can get at this time of the year, taking on the division rivals and the Tennessee Titans, the reigning division champions. We'll preview the matchup, providing an injury update for the Colts and the Titans. Both of them happen to be quite lengthy for both teams. Um, we'll break down keys to the game. Our Mike Chappell tries to trick Brent Hundley into giving us a few details, and we'll get to that pretty soon as we uh, begin this day with an injury report. Uh, and that's where we have to begin, Mike, because when your starting quarterback is injured, uh, there, there's no sense in, in beginning anywhere else, as Carson Wentz with both ankles this week is uh, hobbling around the uh, complex, trying to rest and rehab and get ready to go. But uh, it is certainly a long road to hoe ahead of him if he hopes to be able to play on Sunday in Tennessee. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but when you have a quarterback situation like this, it just paralyzes all the other information or interest because the quarterback is, you know, who is it? And if it's not Wentz, it's guys who you have very little faith in because there's nothing to base it on so you know we saw we talked to Wentz yesterday and you know on the plus side he was no boots and on the negative side if there was a fire he would have been in trouble getting out of the building because <laughs> he wasn't moving real quick so I don't know I, I guess there's a chance he plays Sunday but if if he does it would have to be with a certainly scaled down game plan to where Yes, you're a mobile quarterback, but today you stay in the pocket. And that sounds really easy to say, but when it gets going, instincts take over. So I just don't know how comfortable that they will be putting him out there knowing that if he makes it worse, which and this is the case you can make it worse. You know, with the, with the foot surgery in August, I said you get to a point two or three weeks to where then you can't re-injure it. That's not the case here. This is one where you, if you play, you're going to aggravate. If not aggravate it, you're not going to make any better. So you don't want to get into something where it's you play, you play, and then it swells up, and then do you play in Miami or whatever. So uh, Frank said on yes, uh, Wednesday when he was very evasive on just about everything is that we approach this like he's not going to be there, and if he's there, we're surprised. That, that's uh, a, a biting soundbite. That was certainly, I thought, the one thing that, Joe, I took away most from that uh, availability with Frank Reich saying, hey, we're, we're, we're behaving essentially like he's not going to be there. We are planning like he's not going to be there. And uh, Frank got into some of the, the decisions that go into his head or the, some of the factors that go into his head to whether someone plays or not. And playing without practice is, for most people, a bridge too far. There are exceptions, and he pointed out T.Y. Hilton in 2018, when he was able to play in spite of uh, some, I think it was his ankles too. Severe uh, ankle sprain. Severe ankle sprain for T.Y. near the end of 2018 as the Colts made that playoff run. But uh, it's, it's, uh, it, it's very, I would, I would call it very unlikely that Carson Wentz plays, Joe, if he does not suit up at least for a limited role in Friday's practice. As he was not there on Wednesday, and although the practice report hasn't come out for Thursday as we tape this podcast right now, we were there and we did not see him out on the practice field at the beginning of the session, at least for this Thursday. Yeah, and I, I guess if I get a look for a silver lining here, I think it's encouraging that they haven't ruled him out. For Sunday yet? I mean, we were talking about Monday, and we were like, this could be a several-week thing. Um, so it sounds like 
just the chance that he could play this Sunday means that um, the timetable for recovery for this injury, at least him getting back on the fields on the you know lesser side than the longer side. But as far in terms of this Sunday, uh, uh, Colts are going to have to run the ball in this one because whether there's a, I mean, if Carson Wentz plays, what's he going to be seventy percent? Uh, you hope for 70%, and if he's any less than that, may- maybe you're better off with a, whatever mixture of Easton and Hunley that they can concoct. But um, it, it's uh, it's going to be a tough task for the Colts to get to one and two this weekend. You bring up the mixture of Easton and Hunley, and I think if we went back, obviously, a month and a half ago, Jacob Easton's your obvious number number two quarterback right now. Since I mean, this is something we talked about all offseason, that if – Carson Wentz is here and he gets injured. Who's the backup? Well, it's obviously Jacob Eason, right? Well, not so much anymore. Um, as Brett Huntley reported by NFL Network, Tom Pelissero this week said that he got, Huntley did, the majority of the reps in Wednesday's practice session, Mike. So it, what what exactly could the Colts be thinking about doing here? Are they, are they trying to get Huntley just more ready? Or are they really, you think, giving him a shot to, to be, this, to be the, the number one if Carson Wentz can't go? With the background of these two players in this offense, with which which is not a lot, and Hunley, what two months? You you can't. I don't see how you can prepare two quarterbacks. You you prepare one guy. So whoever's going to be your guy, he's got to get ninety percent of the snaps. I don't I don't know. And, and then like like Frank said, then then if if Wentz can play on Sunday, then you can transition to that. I remember last year when when Brissett had the sprained knee against Pittsburgh. And the idea is that, well, okay, so Brian Hoyer will probably play against Miami on Sunday, the next Sunday. And what they did is they prepared Brissett Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, hoping he could play. And they got to Friday, and Brissett just couldn't do what they needed to do. And then Hoyer was unprepared against the Dolphins, and they lost a game that was just crippling to him. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's going to – I don't see how Wins plays. Now, one thing Frank said, you know, he said – it's not that rule's not etched in stone on practicing, he said, but he's never had a quarterback play without practicing. And Wynn said that he can't remember ever playing without practicing to some level. And, and certainly what if Wentz is able to play on Sunday, and that's a mammoth if, I think, right now, he, he's not the Carson Wentz that the Colts brought in this offseason. He, he, his, his ability to evade pressure in the pocket, which we saw really well against the Rams, I thought. I thought he that's was... what kept him alive. It, it, <laughs> Literally and figuratively <laughs> in that game. It kept him alive and it kept the team alive. But when you when you water down what Carson Wentz can do, um, maybe, maybe if you want him to tough out a series or two at the end of a game to try to go out and win a game for you, I understand. Although I would also say that this last week was not the time to do that if he's out with two bum ankles and he can barely move as it is. But like that, that's, that's separate. But like, if you want him to go an entire game, of just being a shell of what he can be. A pocket be. passer, a which pocket is what pastor. he's not. Exactly. He's not. He's really not at all. That's not what he's supposed to be. Can he throw from the pocket? Absolutely, or else he wouldn't be a quarterback in the NFL. But it does not fully encompass the scope of his talents that make him a better-than-average quarterback and a starting quarterback in the NFL. So it's it's it just seems like it seems like a, a it would be a weird proposition to have Carson Wentz out there when A, he is limited in the in one area that makes him what he is, and B, with the offensive line in front of him that has been uh, nothing short of a disappointment, Mike, throughout the first two weeks of the season. Yeah, again, like like you were referring to, you, you can tell him that you know, you're going to start, now, don't run around. 
you know, be a, be a pocket. You can tell him that. But there are going to be occasions where one, his instincts will take over, and two, the leaky offensive line is going to force him to to, to move around. I, that's why I just don't I just don't see that being the case. And uh, one thing that that we can just talk briefly on is, and you you talked about earlier, is the idea is that Jacob Eason was the start was the backup, yet that he had competition from Erlinger in training camp. And now he's got competition from a guy who, again, in July was home and hasn't made a start since 2017 with the Packers. That's that's not a ring endorsement of your draft pick. And we asked Frank, he was asked twice on Wednesday, if Wentz isn't your guy, is it Eason? And he didn't go there. How easy is, is it to say, yeah, if, if Carson can't go, well, sure, we're going to go with our last year's fourth-round draft pick. He didn't do it. it he, he had ample opportunity to, to make He was Jacob given the, the, the opportunity to do it, and he didn't do but it. But he, he was incredibly cagey, as he was that entire uh, availability, as right. you mentioned. So, and, and one thing about that, and it, it, it drives people crazy that they're so evasive and, and vague and all this, and, and it frustrates the media. It, it does. But that, that's what teams do. And, and that there is a competitive advantage to not telling the other team what you're doing, certainly who your quarterback's going to be. I understand that. Now, again, it frustrates us, and it makes us speculate. But if I'm the team, I'm giving you as little information as, as I have to. All, all, I, will go, I will do what the league says I have to do, no more, because it, it doesn't give me any advantage to tell Tennessee what they're doing. And here's my thought on this to continue this point. I know I already brought up the NFL Network report about Brett Hundley receiving the majority of the first-team reps. That is purely a, like, they're, they're not cameras in there, except maybe NFL Films cameras for, uh, <laughs> for, um, for what's it called, hard knocks. Um, so if, they get, if that's their source, then, then that's a good source, obviously, because those are cameras in there, and those are the ones that are watching everything. But um, like that, that, it's entirely possible that that is a leak from the Colts just to be more of a smokescreen right now. Because like you said, there is a competitive advantage to other teams not knowing what's happening. So you've got Huntley and you've got Eason. Honestly, it would be stunning to me sitting here right now with the reports that we've heard, with what we've seen, for Brett Huntley to be the Colts' starting quarterback, Joe. Because with Jacob Eason, like Chap was just referring to, he's your fourth-round pick from a year ago. I mean, what it, this would be a serious blow to his future in Indianapolis, if not his future in the NFL, if at this point he cannot beat out a guy who was on his couch two years ago, uh, two months ago, for the starting job in a place that you have been for the last two years, year and a half. Yeah, you said it, and I mean, everyone who's been asking for Eason, uh, it, it'd be kind of funny if they still didn't get him on Sunday and Brett Hundley. But I don't think Frank Wright's going into this, you know, saying, "Oh, he's a fourth round pick, so we're going to start him." He's going to play whoever he thinks gives him the best chance to get their first win of the season. And if he thinks Hunley being able to run around a little bit more than Easton gives him that chance, um, maybe he'll go with Hunley. I, if I had to put money on it, I think Jacob Easton at least starts the game, and maybe if he plays terribly, then they put Hunley in, because I, I do think there is going to be a short leash on Jacob Easton. If he goes out there and he's like 3 for 11 for an interception, and you know they pull the strings on that. But um, either way, I mean, 
Do you have that much more faith in Eason than you do Hunley? No, I really don't. Um, I, I have a little bit more faith in Eason than I do Hunley, but I do agree with you, and maybe, Mike, you can chime in, too, that I think the, the Joe's right in the fact that the leash will be short uh, with either one if there's this much uh, debate as to who should be out there taking snaps, or they could share them throughout the day, which that, that's a whole other ball of wax. We saw that back in, was it 17? Josh Freeman and Ryan, Ryan Lindley. Lindley. Yeah. And, and they won. Did they beat? Was it Tennessee? Tennessee? I think it was Tennessee, Tennessee. right? It was inside Lucas Oil, yeah. Right. So, yeah, boy, to to think there's a short lease and you'd go to Brett Hundley, it it just, the things we're saying make no sense. (laughs) But but I understand what you're saying. Uh, My my gut says that you go with a guy that gives you a chance in the passing game, which is Eason. You know, because if you can, last Sunday just wasn't fair on a lot of levels. Jeez, I would like what to a see horrible, I realize, horrible spot to get there. I realized they were like two minutes to play and you had to kind of have urgency. But I think they could have think and dunked a little bit to getting more more into the game instead of going deep to, to, to Doyle where Jalen Ramsey was just waiting. But but I do think, you know, we talked about, you know, I, I actually looked up what the team record was for rushing attempts in a game, and it's like 60, so they won't get there. Let's not go there. But they're going to have to run the ball. They, they, they're going to have to commit to Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. Marlon Mack, we'll see. But to do that, you've got to at least be competent in the passing game. If I'm Tennessee, I don't care who the quarterback is. I'm putting nine guys in the box and saying, prove that you can throw the ball. So you know, to, to, to run the ball as much as they need to effectively, they've got to at least be able to have a threat in the passing game and I think Eason at least gives you that. I just think he gives you the possibility. And to me, Hunley is just such a total unknown. And again, I tried to ask him how much reps he's getting at the first chance. <laughs> yeah. At least I, I thought I asked it in a way that he might answer, and he didn't. But so he's uh, a smart guy. He, 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 well, he, at least he, he, he's fast on his feet. Now, if I had asked Eason that, he may have said, well, you know, I'm getting on 20%. I, I don't know. But these guys, we, we both talked to today, and they were both w- w- schooled on what to not say. Very well. Very well schooled. So they, we got nothing, in other words. Last thing on Hunley, maybe they're trying to put together a package similar to Rivers and uh, Brissett last year where it's fourth and one. Maybe they put Hunley in where he has the threat to run the ball as well. Goal line stuff, we, we all know how badly they need to figure something out at the goal line. Um, well, well so, Hunley's got some mobility. Was it uh, 300 and some yards in his career rushing? So he, he can move around. He a can move bit. around. So, so maybe that's part of their 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 run oriented game on Sunday. How much would you like to have uh, Jacoby Brissett back on a third oh. and one at the goal line or second and one at the goal line? That that guy, he was uh, for he, he was a given. He, exactly, it was crazy. He was uh, third and one. Send out Jacoby. I, I would I would take Jacoby Brissett back. This week, oh, I would too. What's he to, getting, I to think he's start, getting paid like to start. seven million in Miami right now. Well, now yes. he's starting in Miami. Yeah, yeah. This, this team will see him. How, two weeks? How strange is that going to be? Where it may be, Brissett against J- Jacob Eason. Oh, oh my God! Don't even. I think I just heard people shutting this podcast and, and, off. And right one now. other thing, I, I, I've not looked at your your outline, Joe. I was working today, so but but one, one thing one thing that uh, you know this. And we talked about it in the offseason. Th- to me, this drives home the fact, our argument of why didn't they bring in a veteran quarterback 
in the offseason. I'm not talking in August or July. I'm, I'm talking in June when at least you had some options on bad alternatives. You know, because you're going to get the Brian Hoyers and I don't know if who, who else was available. Blake Bortles is still out there. What is he, radioactive? Apparently. I mean, I mean holy smokes. He's always been good against the Colts. But I, I've always... Radioactive to the Colts. I've always thought that a team that considered itself and, and that I considered a, a serious playoff team, if not more, to leave yourself exposed at backup quarterback, you know, they're, they're rightly so. They're, they're so concerned by having five or six quality receivers and three or four quality, four quality tackles and corners. And, and you're going with a, with a quarterback who has an injury issue. That wasn't the case on Sunday. I mean, that was, that had nothing to do with, with Wentz's injury issues on Sunday. And you, and your backup is a guy who's never played. I, I just, I didn't agree with it. And this just sort of drives home the fact that there should have been a better plan B. And I, 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 to me, it's not hindsight because I've been saying it from, right. from for months. We all have, yeah. You I just think this is one where they, they just, the option they took, they should have gone plan B than, than the option they took. Chris Ballard gambled. I think yes. this offseason by not signing or trading for a legitimate backup quarterback, a veteran backup quarterback. Would would have cost you probably three or four million dollars, mm-hmm. but 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 you you wouldn't be starting thinking about starting Brett Hundley, who was just right. on his couch two. And months these ago. next two games again, if you have competent quarterback play Sunday, the Titans are beatable. I'm not talking superstar. I'm talking play the position, make the plays, and you got a chance because they've won like. 14 or 15 times in Nashville since the realignment. And then you go to Miami, and Miami is having issues. And Baltimore is different. But if you could come out of these, these, this first five games, two and three, you got a good chance to do something. But now you're staring at one and four, oh mm-hmm. and five, and it really makes it virtually impossible to make something of your season. Yeah, we, we always knew that this first five-game stretch was going to be a brutal one. And if the Colts were to come out above 500, that would be a massive win. I think all of us agreed with that. But, but yeah, there's a big difference between, between two and three coming out of it where you've been competitive or, and one and four or, or oh and five. I mean, just a, just a massive difference when it comes to the rest of the year, and especially this game right now. Against well, and two, and two and three would mean that you, you, you beat Tennessee in, in Nashville. And, Right, which exactly. gives, which gives you a leg a leg up in, in in the division. So exactly, this is and again, it, it's everything has conspired against them. The injuries, the offensive line has just been a mess, a train wreck, and we'll see if it gets better. I don't think Braden Smith plays this week. Yep. So it's it's just again, if the offensive line was up to snuff, and you're going with one of these quarterbacks, maybe maybe you can game plan to where you can actually run the ball efficiently. But not only have they not pass protected, they've not. Run blocked, where the hoot. I thought Marlon Mack looked okay, and I'll, I'll bring him up again because I love Marlon, and like I'll, I'll get out in front of it, saying he's he's my guy. But like he looked good when he was back there. Not that there were many running lanes for him to to, to find, but Joe, I don't even know what he averaged. I don't have those numbers in front of me. It was like three and a half yards. Carry. See, yeah, it's, yeah. See, see, I don't believe that Jonathan Taylor has forgot how to run the ball. No, either. I don't think he has at all. So th- this, this this is not a running back issue. Th- no. This is an offensive line issue. Yeah. 
The only uh, Colt right now to average above four yards per carry is Carson Wentz. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely got to be Carson's. No one else, can't, unless like Demichael Harris had like one carry for nine yards. I don't know, but uh, but yeah. Um, outside of quarterback issues, you brought up Braden Smith, uh, chap. Uh, his foot injury is still seems to keep him out of practice. The Colts listed a thumb injury for him too. Also, uh, in Wednesday's injury report, just all of a sudden out of blue. Oh, there's a thumb too. Oh, okay, thanks for thanks for that. So now it's a foot and a thumb for Braden Smith. And again, he's a guy that we did not see out in the field earlier. How do you Thursday hurt your thumb session. when you don't practice? I don't know, man. Lifting weights. He, he has a green thumb. He is a gardener himself. Maybe there was a a, a rose bush incident. He missed a Dropped game. A shovel on yeah, it. Exactly. He missed a game. Was it last year? Two years? Or last year? With a broken thumb, I believe it was. You might have. I I'll don't take remember that. But that yeah, one, exactly. Yeah. I, your, your, I'll take your mind over so mine. So, it, it, again, the injury report, you know, as, as you they got Xavier Rhodes back to practice. We'll see. In, encouraging, though, outside of Braden Smith, which is discouraging, obviously, encouraging that we have not seen Eric Fisher on the injury report this week, and we have not seen Quentin Nelson on the injury report from Wednesday this week. I believe Eric Fisher may not have practiced today. Okay. And that's probably a rest day. It could be. I say, I say probably because... Hopefully they can get him to play the full game this week. Yeah, he had 40, to, 49 snaps, I think it was. He set out two or three series, like one right at the end of the first half, and then there was and one... And the, the key series near the end of the game, yep. he's out. Yep. So, so I, I understand pitch counts, but... but my, my goodness. <laughs> you have to be really set in your, in your uh, like plan to, to have him sit out that series, that's for sure. Uh, but yeah, I remember. I mean, I looked down at the end of the end of the second quarter on that drive. I was like, "Oh shoot, where's Eric Fisher?" And then it I immediately that, went like right to the blue tent right. and toward the uh, the Colts um, locker room, and he wasn't there. And then I just looked over and oh, he's just standing on the sideline next to Danny Pinter. Okay, so it must be it must have been a pitch count, which it was in that scenario. So, um, so so that's at least better news for him and Quentin Nelson not to be on the report. Uh, certainly encouraging. Uh, Zach Pascal was listed on Wednesday with an illness. Uh, out of practice, Jordan Glasgow's in concussion protocol. Um, Xavier Rhodes was uh, listed as out on Wednesday with a calf, but he was out of practice on Thursday. Our cameras caught him out there, so it's his first practice since training camp. I don't think he will. I don't think he practiced at Correct. all after training camp with Correct. that uh, that calf injury. And uh, Paris which makes Campbell, me wonder if he plays this week. To he practice, could practice twice. Yeah, if you're limited both days, or if you're limited today and full on on Friday, yeah. I'd say you're you're. Definitely going to play. Yeah, if you get a no, full practice. Yeah, the full practice on Friday is is good to go. But when it's just limited both days, then that's more of a question. So who knows? Maybe the Colts will make them limited just to, again, just not let Tennessee <laughs> know what's coming, which is not out of the realm of possibility. Hold them out of like two practice reps. Exactly. And then he's technically limited. You're, you're completely right. That is, that is the letter of the law. And that's what coaches do. Uh, Paris Campbell limited also with his abdomen injury. Um, which would be nice to see uh, if, if you're going to have a backup quarterback, uh, Joe, uh, you, you need all the weapons you can get out there. I mean, we, we, we can go on about um, about Jonathan Taylor not being all that effective so far, but I would much rather have Jonathan Taylor in the lineup if Brett Huntley or Jacob Eason is playing. Same goes with Paris Campbell. You yeah. want your guys out there who can make some plays. Get some in around. So I, th- I think it was Zach Hicks who tweeted. He's like, let's just get Naeem Hines in the Wildcat and do yeah. it that way. I was like, you know what? That, that might not be the worst idea. And you know one thing with – your guy, Marlon Mack. My guy. The more he plays, the less Naheem Hines plays. Yeah, I know. So it's th- this is yeah, that's I, another one of you guys. Aren't you a Hines like guy? I like Naheem. Too? Yeah, but like Mar- I'll, 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 out of those three, Mar- Marlon's my guy. He's All my right. dude. So you say, and the one thing with Paris Campbell, we talked to uh, Marcus Brady, the coordinator, on Tuesday. I think it was, 
And he said that they're, they're, they didn't know until, until game time, uh, Sunday, mm-hmm. that Paris Campbell wouldn't be ready. Right. Mm. So they, they thought he had a really good chance of playing, and it didn't happen. And they just need him. They, they just, it, again, it's injuries. But with T.Y. still out, you know, Michael Pittman had, had a really, really fine game, a career best Very game. Fine. But you just, you just need more. Uh, and, and Campbell gives them more. Colts now 1-12 and 12 all time without T.Y. Hilton in the lineup since he was drafted, which remains stunning. And I know that there are other factors involved, but, but I'm going to tweet that stat after <laughs> every game the Colts lose without T.Y. Hilton, and maybe even some that, that they win, just to say they have improved. Hopefully at the end of this Sunday, I'll be saying the Colts improved to 2-12 and 12 without uh, T.Y. Hilton in the lineup. But my goodness, it's just it's a glaring stat that... Even without Andrew Luck, their winning percentage was better during his time with the franchise than it was without T.Y. Hilton, just because of many things. I, I, I'm not going to say I'm not going to make a, a specific saying this is why, but uh, he there it's undeniable what it, his it's impact beyond, on this it's offense beyond was. coincidence. Stage. Yes, yes, you know, that, that's like four games. Yes, not eleven games. No, not at all. Um, let's see here. Titans. Titans are no uh, not not so easy themselves when uh, it comes to the uh, injured list. Uh, their edge rusher, Bud Dupree, who they signed in free agency this last year from Pittsburgh, uh, did not practice on Wednesday with a knee injury. Uh, Jayon Brown, the linebacker, out with a hamstring. Caleb Farley, their first-round rookie, cornerback uh, out of Virginia Tech, uh, had a shoulder injury. He did not practice on Wednesday. And uh, a couple more on the offensive line. Center Ben Jones, guard Roger Saffold, IU product himself. Um, also, tight end Anthony Ferkser, uh, all of them with uh, injuries, and then Derrick Henry had a rest day. I think he earned it. I believe he earned it, and, <laughs> and they're saying just just kind of be ready for Sunday. Did Taylor Lewan practice? He was he's not listed. He here. did. I okay. think he missed the prior game. Yeah, he, he did. Like yeah, and that was like he missed it in warmups. He hurt himself, is what I I think. Well, I Chandler saw Jones hurt him. What? Chandler Jones yeah, hurt, yeah, he hurt, hurt his, his pride, pride at least. Yeah. yeah. No, he he did return to practice on Wednesday. Um, I think he's still technically questionable to suit up, but. Uh-huh. If you return to practice, it's looking a lot better. I mean, once you go up against the best Syracuse University has to offer, <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a tough tough week for you next week. So good to sit out and get some rest and uh, kind of recharge your batteries, get ready to face the Colts. Also, wide receiver A.J. Brown was limited on Wednesday as well. So, I mean, you, you look at this list, and there's a couple guys on the offensive line that, that, are, that, are, that are dinged up. And that's, again, Mike, that's their strength, that, that they want to be able to be a ground-and-pound guy. And it's not always up the middle with Derrick Henry. He can get loose on the edge. Uh, he's, he might be, as Darius Leonard said today, 270 pounds. But, <laughs> but he, he, can, he can still get to the edge and then get free outside. It's not just running between the tackles for him. Yeah, and Joe mentioned earlier, th- this is a guy that you, you think you're doing a pretty good job on him. He gets four or five, maybe a seven, a minus two or three. Then he goes for 60 on you. And that's what the great backs do. If you give it to them enough, I don't, I don't can't remember what he, what he was first half against uh, Seattle. Was it? Well, it wasn't twenty. Was it twenty two for thirty seven? He only had thirty seven or yeah, forty they, yards. They held first him half. in check pretty well. And second half, he just went bonkers. Mm-hmm. And and that's what you'll do on these guys. They they they've done a good job generally, which I think with with Derrick Henry, good jobs ninety, yeah, one hundred and five. Totally. Even keep him under hundred. That's fantastic. Right. But he's had, you know, he's had great success against these guys, and and we saw last year here when uh, what was it, DeForest Buckner and Danico Autry were out with COVID, COVID protocol, and he they, they they ran up 45 points and 400 and some yards and 200 and some rushing yards. So uh, first and foremost, stop Derrick Henry. But boy, they've got Julio Jones. He went for 
120 some last week yep. in Brown and Tannehill and this is this is just a difficult situation. If you if it's even possible to to underrate a guy with the credentials of Julio Jones, I think he might be just because I think he is he's right up there with uh, your boy chap DeAndre Hopkins to me in terms of best wide receivers in the NFL because he, he does he missed, ev- game, he missed games last year with an injury was it a hamstring or ankle yeah. or something I yeah. think it was hamstring nagging but, hamstring yeah. yeah. But he's like he does everything. He he's he blocks as well as Zach Pascal does for the Colts. He's as fast as a T.Y. Hilton. He can catch and run like Paris Campbell. Like you take all all your best qualities that that we preach about all the time. These guys here in Indianapolis that their strengths are. You mix them into one Julio Jones, and like that, that's that's the kind of guy that that he is. I just I love watching him play because he's fluid in his motion. He just seems to be quicker than other people on the field. He's a fun guy to watch unless he's going up against your team. I believe he's the NFL's all-time leader in in yards Receiving per yards game. Per game, yes. 95, 97 yep. yards a game. And the next closest is like 80-something with right. Calvin oh, it's, Johnson. Correct. It's 15 whole yards higher right. than everyone else per game. Right. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. And his you know, sin, I guess, is to be played in Atlanta where they've not had much success except for the one year where they – Twenty-eight to three, <laughs> where I'm, where I'm writing a great story Sorry, on Dwight Falcons Freeney fans. going out with a sack and a big Super Bowl win, and then I threw it away because they couldn't finish the deal. But uh, no, but again, th- th- this will be this will be a good test. And I, like I say, th- this would this would be difficult if you're healthy and you've got a, and you've got a quarterback you trust. Gonna be a tough day on Sunday. Now let's break down this matchup a little bit. The Colts zero and two visit the Titans one and one in Nashville. Um, game will be broadcast here in central Indiana on CBS 4 at 1 o'clock p.m. Uh, Titans are coming off a comeback overtime victory in Seattle. So the Seattle Seahawks that uh, had their way with the Colts in week one looked like they were having their way with the Titans in week two for a good amount of time. And then Derrick Henry got hot. Uh, he ran for a pair of touchdowns down the stretch. Uh, they were the Titans. The Seattle scored to make it 30 to 16 in the third quarter. And then they missed the extra point. It could have been 31 to 16, could have gone up by 15, but they didn't. It stayed at 14. And then Henry scored two touchdowns, got it to overtime, and they kicked a field goal in overtime to win it 33 to 30. So, like, this is, I, I think, to, to be able to come back on a Seahawks team that looked really strong against the Colts week two. If they didn't have your attention before, that certainly should have in opened Seattle. up your eyes. In Seattle, that, that's even more. So, uh, the. I thought, like, when the game went to 30-16, to 16, I was thinking, oh, okay, never mind. The Colts may be falling to 0-2, but, well, the Titans are at 0-2, too. But, but they're tied for second in the division. Exactly, right behind the 1-1 one one Houston Texans at the time, it would have been. So so you wouldn't have felt nearly, nearly as bad, or, like, you would have... At that time, we would have been talking to ourselves at this time saying, well, Michael Loss doesn't completely Correct. bury them in the division, Correct. but now that they got that win... I'm not saying it buries you in the division, but it puts you at a significant disadvantage when you're down two games in the standings and also one game head-to-head. Correct. That's why I say it's, it, it, it is a long season. You have 17 games, but you, you just can't be chasing all the time because, again, opening up 0-3 or 1-5, whatever, it just eliminates that margin of error where you lose a game later on that you didn't expect to or, or whatever, so... It's. I, I did look and see how many times. I don't have the number in front of me, but the Colts, whenever they fin- started zero and three, they've never made the playoffs, and they've had like one winning record, mm. and it was it was nine and seven. And normally they're three and thirteen or whatever. So I don't see that for this team because they they will get their act together eventually. But 
what we talked about again, winning the division was really, really important because if you look around the AFC, there's a bunch of teams. They're just it's gonna be really hard to get one of those third one of those three wild card spots because teams things can change, but there's a lot of teams that look awfully good to where it's going to be hard to come back from a from a one and four or an zero and five start. I think the Titans they, they've shown their 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 ability with the second half in overtime against Seattle in Seattle. But Joe, they also showed that they're not the most consistent team yet themselves. I'm not I don't want to pump them up to be uh, the the elite of the AFC just now here because they lost 38 to 13 week one to the Cardinals and their their offense looked anemic in that game. Yeah, I mean Derrick Henry held the 58 rushing yards on 17 attempts. Tannehill, I mean, sacked six times. We, we, we don't have to talk about who did it or we what can. school they went okay. to. Um, but, you know, he only threw for 212 yards. Uh, and then their leading receiver was former Colt Chester Rodgers Hey-o. in that game. Chester. So, so we've seen through two weeks the good side of Tennessee Titans and the bad side of Tennessee Titans. And, I mean, it, the biggest difference you see right there is Derrick Henry. Do you allow him to get loose or not? Cardinals didn't allow that to happen, and the Seahawks did. And there, there could have been 17 carries against the Seahawks that went for 58 yards. The problem, Mike, as you so alluded to, are the two or three other ones where he does break loose, and that's something. I mean, we talked to the Colts about about this, and multiple guys. We've talked to guys like linebacker Darius Leonard, safety Julian Blackman. I mean, you hope that Julian isn't making too many tackles on, on Derrick Henry. You hope that Darius does most of it, and then maybe Julian's coming in to finish it off. But you, you don't want him to get ahead of a seam because you don't want him running five, six, seven yards down the field before he meets someone like a Julian Blackman, as he's, much as we respect bigger, him. He's bigger than your linebacker. Exactly. Like, you don't want him running that, that with that head of speed before yeah. anybody, and much less a guy who's, who's in the secondary that you still like back there, but nevertheless is, um, is now facing, as D- Darius Leonard put it, a 270-pound running back. So. Well, and, and also the, one of the problems the Colts have had the first two games is tackling. Yeah. They, and that's really uncharacteristic for him. They, they've, you miss tackles on Derrick Henry, and he's going to make you pay. So they've got to get that cleaned up. And again, I don't, Darius Leonard's not 100. percent I don't know what he is. 90. He says he's 90 or 95. Okay. is what he told us today. So, but but they, they they need to get better play. They need to get you know the pass rush going. That it's it's been very. And we talked to Eberfluss, and he said the front four's got to be better because they really they, they they blitz some, but they really prefer to get with their front four. And this, this, this is one again where we've, been, we've given so much attention to Derrick Henry. You watch it, this will be a game where they say, no, nah, we're going to throw the ball 40 times, and you're going to have A.J. Brown and, and Julio Jones going crazy in the secondary. Because we've seen this secondary out, out of position, miscommunication, mm-hmm. just playing beat, whatever. I don't know. But it's given up way too many big plays in two games. And it's been a lot of it. Like, I've looked back there, and you see who's chasing the play, and Kari Willis has been chasing it too much, like way more than we've seen him the first couple sl- of years. And then he slipped on the one with – that's, uh, that's very unfortunate for him. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. But and, and, again, this is without – I think Rocky Sines, for the most part, has played well. You, need to, you I, need to get Xavier Rhodes back. Yep. But uh, it's, it's just been something every other series. They'll have some three and outs, and then – they can't get off the field. So, it, it, again, if you could rely on the offensive line, if you could re- rely on the defense, 
I wouldn't feel so bad going into this game, but you can't rely on either one. Joe, we haven't said Quiddy Pay's name a lot these first two weeks, but he's he's on. If you look at Pro Football Focus, he's graded pretty well. I think he's the fifth highest graded rookie yeah, defender. Like seventy something, seventy five, which, which or something is totally like respectable when it comes to numbers. I know 75, 77, Like you look at that, but on a one to hundred scale, like isn't that a D? Well, hold on a second. It's not quite like that. How how they uh, how they grade things out, but. Um, you also take into account who he's played the first two weeks, and he's played two very experienced left tackles in the NFL with Dwayne Brown, Seattle, Andrew Whitworth with uh, the Rams. Mm-hmm. So he, he's he's certainly, I think somebody referred to it as, I don't know who it was, Chap, I don't know if this was you or if it was another writer that I saw tweeting, he was thrown into the deep end, or maybe that's a phrase that he used himself. I think he, I think he used that. Okay, so, and that's I think that's that's a very apt description like you, you could be going up against the Detroit Lions uh, second string left tackle or even their first string left tackle in the preseason and go get a strip sack and that's awesome and we can talk about it and we should and we did but it, it's a whole different thing to be able to to produce against some of these guys who have been in the NFL for 10 plus years and it, he certainly has not been not been flashy at all in these first 2 weeks i don't think i've seen him or mentioned his name more than once, I think, over the last two weeks as being someone who is making plays in the backfield. Yeah, and Stafford, you know, Stafford made it really tough last week. I think they got the ball out on average 2.1 seconds, so it's hard to get to the quarterback quicker than that. And then we talked about how hard it is to catch up and get to Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully he'll be able to get to Tannehill, though Taylor Lewan, when healthy, is one of the game's best sl- five, ten mm-hmm. left tackles as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Colts, they need them. They're relying on them. They did not bring back Justin Houston, and mm-hmm. they said, we're going to rely on our young defensive ends and basically sink or swim with it. And so far, they've kind of sunk. Mike, I don't want to sound like I'm making excuses for Quiddy Pay, even though like I'm trying to point out reasons why we haven't seen him. He'll say, and the defensive coaches, and Brian Baker, the defensive line coach, will say that you're the starter. You're getting paid, too. You need to be back there. So he just... I, it's it's hard for me to say he hasn't done his job yet, but he kind of hasn't done his job yet, even though he's been facing very tough competition. Right, and, and that's a function of the entire line, too. Yes. Because they're getting very little from the other side. Yes. Whether it's Mohammed or uh, Kamoko Ture, Ben Banigou's played very, very little. I haven't seen much from Taekwondo. Six, I think it was maybe six snaps this, this yep. past Taekwondo. Lewis, you haven't seen, so it, 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 it's a it's a line issue. But like you said, he, he he's the guy they're, they're putting... They're putting it on. He and he and uh, divorced Buckner for the most part, and uh, it, it's not been good enough. And, and that's critical of him. But th- you know, th- this is you know, th- this is big boy football. Yeah, it is. So so step up and play. And I think he feels that. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those where, you know, they always say it comes in bunch. They're like bananas. They come in bunches. We'll see because they've got they've got to get this this pass rush solved and, and cranked up. Remember, this this is a defense that was harping on. Forty takeaways. Mm-hmm. They had what? Well, they had two. I think they've only had one. They, uh, they have the interception. I think they recovered a fumble okay, week so one. Is right, Darius right? Leonard forced yeah, fumble. So two. Quiddy Pay recovered it actually. Right, so yeah. they're on pace for you know my, my beat. sixteen, seventeen. My my, my 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 ball state mass says that's seventeen. <laughs> so it, it's and again it's the the problem that, that that we're having watching this team if you get past the injuries and just in general. Is they might have played two of the top three teams on their on their schedule out of the gate. Yep. With, with Tampa Bay to come down the road, so you know they're playing the, the NFC West out of the gate, and, and those two teams will be there come playoff time. So it, it it's kind of skewing what we see. But having said that, a lot of us thought this this was a playoff team as well in the AFC, 
And thus far, we've not seen that for, for a lot of reasons. I think the most frustrating part is the things the Colts were supposed to be able to hang their hat on, the running game, right. the offensive line, and uh, the, the defense, defense. And the defense, right. It, it just hasn't been there thus far, and that's, that's the most irritating part of all of it. It's not that they've lost necessarily, it's how they've lost. Yeah. yeah. And what's contributed to them losing. Tennessee's defense has allowed the fifth most passing yards in the league so far through two games. When you go up against Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, that'll happen. Um, they've allowed six touchdowns between those two and uh, about 600 yards, exactly 600 yards or so uh, total uh, between the two of them. So uh, their run game has been average, allowing 4.2 yards per carry. Right in the thick of things, excuse me, 15th in the league. Um, 106 yards per game is 13th. Um, so, so far has been more vulnerable to the pass, but also faced two teams that have certainly been more focused on, on the passing game themselves. So, um, how, how much has their run defense been tested so far? I would say probably not all that much. Uh, maybe the Colts will provide a stiffer challenge for them. We, we, all of us expect if Carson Wentz does not play, which I think we're leaning in that direction right now, not for sure. He's not ruled out, but we're leaning in that direction that the run game will be uh, vitally important. And that, it, heck, if they throw 300 yards without Carson Wentz, I would be uh, stunned beyond belief. And you, I would, it would be much better to have 130 yards on the ground, try to go that way, and uh, control the clock and keep the score to like a 17-13 game. Mike, I think if you said right now, hey, if you guys can keep, the, keep the, it to like under 40, if both teams it's like 17-13, 13-10, a 14-10 ball game, uh, the Colts would take that right now, even if you don't know exactly which way it's going to go, because that's the, kind of the ball game you think they're going to have to end up here if you want to win a game. Yeah, it's, it's just hard to see this offense doing much, barring turnovers and takeaways uh, by, by Tennessee, a, a, a block punt. Well, they're going to need that. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. So I, it, it, you can't let this game even get remotely into a track, but you can't because you've not got the uh, the sprinters to, to, to go with them. So the the lower the score, the better, no question about it. Let's get to the keys to the game as the Colts take on the Titans this week. 1 o'clock Sunday afternoon, broadcast in central Indiana on CBS4. Number one is contained Derrick Henry. That's, you might as well just keep this, Joe, for uh, every time the Colts <laughs> yeah. play the Titans over the next five years or six years or however long he's going to be there. He hasn't slowed down yet. Maybe it's going to be the next 15 years. Who knows? But uh, leaders in uh, rushing yards... Uh, you, you have a great stat here. Why don't you share it uh, with, with the fine folks listening at home? Yeah, leaders in rushing yards. Number one, Derrick Henry with 240. Number two, Derrick Henry after contact with 201. And then Joe Mixon comes in third with 196. So uh, it's just so hard to bring down Derrick Henry. And he's so unique because, you know, he's, he's got the size and strength of a Brandon Jacobs from back in the day, but he also has the speed to take it the distance on you. Um, so just just an extremely unique player who unfortunately is in the Colts division. Last season, including the playoffs, Henry averaged 143 rushing yards in their 11 wins, only 81 yards in their six losses. So, Mike, as we were saying, if you can keep it below 100, I think that's a win. Maybe even if you can keep it at 105, 108, you know, that that's a win, too. Just don't let him break those big ones loose that can be the game breakers that steal the momentum and turn things around like they did against Seattle. Yeah, and again, like I mentioned, too, and I, I – Sometimes you're you're so Henry focused that you let Tanner go crazy, yep, and, yep. and they've got the people that can do that. Yep, they've got they've got one of the best receiver tandems in the league, and totally. And that's why even taking care of Henry, if they can, uh, then you got to be good on on the back end. So th th again, th th this will test this defense that's been been average at best in two games. 
Now, how about the other side of the ball? You got to run the ball. You got to keep Tennessee off the field. Keep Julio Jones off the field. Keep Derrick Henry off the field. Keep Ryan Tannehill off the field. And offensive line, do what you're paid to do right now. And that is open some holes for the backs. That's allowed Jonathan Taylor to find a lane or two. That's to provide Naheem Hines with a, a good lane uh, on the edge off the screen or whatever it's going to be to to try to get him more involved in the game. But it rests uh, on the offensive line for for Joe, both your second and your third key. Number one, to run the ball, and number two, to protect the quarterback. Um, that uh, if, if it's not Carson Wentz back there, then, then protect him. It, it doesn't. If it's Carson Wentz back there, then protect him because the first two weeks has been uh, less than impressive in, in that vein. As uh, Carson has been running around, as as Mike alluded to earlier, for his life, um, and was six a, sacks. How many? If he doesn't have that mobility, how how many does he have? Twelve. Uh, if it's Philip Rivers, it's yeah, double that for crying out loud. There's there's nothing you could have done. And again, the in, the in, the injuries, yes, are a factor, but but fix it. I mean, you've got backups for a reason, and and do something. I, I guess I'd love to sit down with film study with Frank and go over this because he he keeps insisting that it's it's not as bad as what it may look on the outside yet that then you watch a handful of plays and it's, it, it's Julian Davenport getting Julian Davenport getting sort of smoked on the outside. Or there's a play where someone put a clip out where they had a chance for a nice deep pass to Pascal or someone yet Ryan Kelly got blown up in the middle and, and, and Wentz goes down. And then when, when Wentz gets hurt, Glowinski got blown up by yep. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron Donnelly. I realize that. But but you've you've got to you you can't ask your quarterback to do what he's what he needs to do and, and what he does best with this kind of protection. You just have to get it solved. When a coach says it's not that bad, it's not as bad as people think. Like I I totally get what he's saying, and because we overreact, we we do absolutely. At the same time, you can have four guys play really good games and one guy have a really bad game, and you can say the offensive line is terrible, and that's the overreaction. But it also points out to where the problem is on your football team. So like, I, I don't want to exactly th- – this is not exactly what Frank Reich is thinking. I don't have the insight into his mind here and how exactly he is saying that it's not as bad as we, we have to say. But we say the offensive line is not living up to expectations. We are right in that. We are completely right. If you, if you go out and you say the offensive line is terrible, it's awful, they need to blow it up and start again, that's an overreaction. That's a clear overreaction, obviously. But when, when there are just small problems here and there on the offensive line, one guy makes a mistake here. One guy makes a mistake here. You've said this before with J.J. Watt as we're talking about him. If he wins two reps out of 60 that are taken, it's, gotcha. a, it's a game changer. And that's what's happening to the Colts. And it's happening to more than one Colt on the offensive line. You're doing great on 55 reps, on 58 reps. But there's two or three reps that two or three guys are getting blown up on that is damaging to the team and Frank Reich can say that that's not as bad as people are saying but that's exactly what it is right now that is as bad as it is and when you're an offensive lineman like that's you you can't do that you can't give up those opportunities for your quarterback to get hit for your running back to not have the hole that he's supposed to have so it, it, it's it's a hard job man it is because you need to be perfect or close to it on 99 percent in order to be considered like a starting offensive lineman in the league to be perfectly honest and 
And, and, and that's exactly where the Colts are right now. This is the position that you thought they were elite at, and they're just not elite at right now through the first two games of the year. And it's been, it's been a collective effort. Yes. Because it, 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 I think the only player that hasn't been that hasn't graded out poorly is Quentin Nelson. Thank you. Yep. Everyone, I don't know what Eric Fisher did last week uh, as well. But, but, no, but, but I, th- really I didn't see it. But, but, it's, it, but it's been but pressure else. from Kelly. It's been pressure from Klawinski. It's been pressure from right tackle. I mean, you know, Braden Smith was with yes. the bad game. We don't know how the the foot the foot impacted that. I would but, say, but, but, but yes. it, it, it's it, it really hasn't been. Like, I mean, a lot of times it has been four guys doing well and, and one guy not. But too many times it's been multiple guys on the same play. And once again, Aaron Donald skews things he does because he's. I thought Q held him up pretty good, but when he went everywhere else, he just wreaked havoc with his offensive line. Hopefully, when they get back to where now you're you're facing normal. Normal NFL human teams. beings, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, none uh, of them are normal human beings, but you get me, right? Yeah. But but hopefully they have n- nothing to me. Nothing is fixed for the Colts until they get the offensive line fixed, whether that's getting healthy, playing better, or whatever. To me, nothing else matters until they get that fixed. This week, FanDuel has the Colts at five point underdogs to the Titans in Tennessee. Over under for the game set at forty seven point five. So we're right around like a twenty six twenty one. Uh, ball game is uh, is what they are expecting from the Colts and Titans this weekend. Uh, Chap, why don't you start us off with your prediction? Then Joe, you'll go. I'll wrap us up with uh, what we think could happen this weekend as the Colts begin AFC South play against the reigning champions on the road. I take the under. I, I've got twenty four sixteen Titans. Uh, I, I just I just don't see the Colts creating enough offense, barring the crazy punt block or turnovers. I just think, and it's going to be, to me, it's just going to be hard because of that. It's going to wear out this defense. And Henry is at his best second half. I think that we're, I think it's close early and there'll be a, that key third and two that the Colts don't get. And then they'll tighten the score. So 24, 16, I feel pretty good about. I'll be the homer this week. I'm sticking with the Colts. Someone's uh, got to be. <laughs> exactly. Uh, going down to Tennessee where they've had plenty of success in uh, past years. And whether it's Carson toughing it out or Jason, Jacob Eason maybe, you know, get, playing a little better than some of us might think. I think it give them the opportunity to actually settle into a ball game and get into the, a rhythm. I mean, he hasn't even played a full ball game yet. Even the preseason, he's played, what, half at most. Um, so, and I think Tennessee's defense is pretty exploitable. Um, they don't have a whole lot on that defense. They have Jeffrey Simmons up front is a pretty darn good player. Danico Autry, uh, we all know how he's a pretty solid to very good player as well. But other than that, there's just not a ton there in Tennessee. And so, uh, I think the Colts are going to pull it out. I'm going to go with the score of 20 to 14. I felt really comfortable about my homer pick last week too, just for the record uh, until Carson Wentz got hurt. Then I didn't feel so good, even though they were coming back. They were still on the comeback trail at that point. They did not have the and, lead. And it yet. also took a screwy punt touchdown to, yep. to keep it close, yeah. where, yep. which which you don't they see. didn't even block it. The other team no, just the guy messed just, up. He yeah. just shifted in front of the snapper and. Yeah. So the Colts injury report, their practice report, is out now uh, for this Thursday. So I'll run this down before I make my picks. I'm, I have the advantage of knowing a little bit more than you guys did as you, as you made your picks. But uh, Jordan Glasgow still out with concussion. So uh, I think that he might be out, uh, if I remember correctly, Mike, because you need a limited practice and you need a full practice. Well, then I take it back. Glasgow changes uh, everything. It changes everything. <laughs> yeah, he's that specialty. He can make that special teams play. But So I think Glasgow will be out this weekend. 
Zach Paschal back to full practice after he was out with an illness on uh, the day before on Wednesday. Uh, Xavier was limited uh, today. Braden Smith, Carson Wentz both did not practice. Paris Campbell still limited. Julian Brackman, another full uh, participant with uh, his shoulder injury two days in a row. Darius Leonard did not practice today. He's listed as that ankle. That's probably a rest day. I assume he'll be limited tomorrow or full tomorrow um, and, and be ready to go at 90 or 95%, like he says. And uh, Jack Doyle and Eric Fisher both given days off to rest as well. So uh, certainly nothing worse for, uh, for today that uh, happened Wednesday's practice or anything like that. So nothing too dramatic there uh, other than we know Carson Wentz for sure did not practice and neither did Brayden Smith uh, on Thursday. So it all, all comes down really to Friday. We'll see if Carson Wentz can be out there even in a limited role. And if he's not uh, very, very unlikely that, that he will see the field uh, on Sunday in, in Tennessee. So uh, time for my pick. I think it's going to take some some crazy uh, plays like a punt block or a snap into the up man to, to keep the Colts in this game. Because uh, I don't think they have the off. They barely have the offensive firepower with, with Wentz in there. And with your backup quarterbacks, it's. Uh, and without still without T.Y. Hilton, it's uh, what, what who's out there that can make a play. And I think that Paris Campbell can make a play and Naheem Hines can make a play, but it's going to be hard to get the ball to them uh, when when your backup is in there. So the defense needs to step up. And when you have a 90 or 95 percent Darius Leonard, according to himself, that's that's not not what you want. You want 100 to, to be the guy making the play. And if he's saying that he's 90 or 95%, I would bet he's about 80%. That, that's just, that's, that's my pure speculation there. I'll, I'll be completely honest there, but I just, I just think Darius is, is, is overselling himself based on what I've seen. He does not look like himself, or maybe that last five or 10% really is all that important to see what he can do or what he's able to do. Uh, so uh, all that to say, it's either a special teams or a defensive big plays that can keep the Colts in this game. Uh, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to predict that they can do enough in there to bring them out on top this weekend. I think the Colts, Colts fall to 0-3, uh, lose in Tennessee by the score of 24-17. to 17. So pretty close to, I think, what you said over there, Mike, um, that uh, at the end of the day, the Colts don't have enough. Maybe they score a fourth-quarter touchdown. They can make it a little bit interesting, but uh, can just not close the gap at, at the end of it all. And so, that, so that's, that's my pick. Those are your picks. And uh, if you want to follow us throughout the week for uh, updates from the Colts. <laughs> downer way. Exactly. <laughs> but hey, this is, this, honestly, this is a downer situation of a week. You know, if you don't have your, you don't have your starting quarterback, um, your, your defense hasn't performed as it should. Your offensive line hasn't performed as it should. Like, I, I, at, at this point, you're not, there's not a whole lot to be gung-ho about, honestly, if you're, if you're a Colts fan right now. I'll be perfectly honest. There isn't. Uh, but that could change in one day. That could change in one day, uh, one Sunday. And so and that, that's the beauty of this hey, game. That's we could be me and Mike could be talking on about uh, Monday about how Jacob Eason is the future of the Colts. Exactly. You say <laughs> cut Wentz, let him go, let Jacob play. So like that's 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 the beauty of this game. That's why we come back to it week after week. And that's why the NFL is is the best sports league there is, because it's promoted as such, because it stays in the news, because it's always relevant to talk about week after week. And, and, and that's why we love it. That's why we're here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone for Colts news and notes throughout the week. Mike Chappell, you can find all his stuff online, fox59.com, cbs4indy.com, and also follow him on Twitter at mchappell51. Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. I'm Dave Griffiths. You can follow me at DaveG underscore sports. We thank you for listening to this edition of the Colts Blue Zone podcast, and we will see you next week.